0: just praying today and and uh pastor arnold got to ride over here with me tonight and i i echo what brother dusty said i i love this man he has uh, he he knows way too much about me for me to ever make him mad <laughs> and i just pray he never backslides because i don't want him to tell anybody but I don't have to worry about that I I love, this, uh, I love this man of God I love everything that's going on here tonight Just so proud to be in this thing and so I, I want to get right in the word of God tonight If you've got your Bibles, go with me to Genesis chapter 41 Genesis chapter 41, verse number 50 We're going to read three verses of scriptures tonight And, and just dive right into a, 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 a very deep topic tonight A very deep topic that I, I, I feel like that we need so bad I mean, we... I believe God's doing a deep work right now. And I, more than that, I want God to do a deep work in me. I, I want to have more than goosebumps. I want to have more than that. I'm, I want a deep work in me. I, I want something that's everlasting. I, I want something because I see this world get more chaotic every day. And in order to make it through that, we need a deep, deep rooted relationship with God that's giving birth to the things of God. And so let's dive into this tonight. Verse number fifty. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath the daughter of Potiphar the priest of On bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Verse fifty-two. In the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful. In the land of my affliction. I want to talk to you tonight just a little bit about birthing the second son birthing the second son let's pray father we love you tonight thank you so much for your presence in this house tonight God now Lord let us turn our attention and our hearts towards your word God I pray that God you would prepare hearts for what you want to do in their lives tonight God I pray every ear be opened every heart be prepared God most of all give this minister your anointing tonight God because I need it to say every word God I don't want to do it and I cannot do it without you tonight God so I need you Lord be my every thing tonight in Jesus name I ask you Lord follow your word and confirm it with signs and wonders tonight Jesus we love you and we give you all the praise and all the glory would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in here now when you you can be seated when you look at this in the Bible you have to understand that Joseph Joseph was probably one of the most pure types of Christ that we find in the Bible Everybody had flaws but when we look at Joseph we have to understand he probably had less than anybody else. Joseph was just a good guy. He was a great guy but, but you, can, you can be a good guy and, and the world around you can treat you bad. And so, when we look at Joseph, you see the, the type of Christ in the Old Testament. And I hope you understand he's not Christ, he's a type of something to come. That's what a type and a foreshadow is it's a forerunner, it's an Old Testament teaching of what's coming. We're looking at Jesus through the life of Joseph tonight, okay? And so, Joseph is surrounded by a lot of bad things that happened. And, and, and you can be saved and living right, and bad things happen to you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You can be in church and doing everything right, paying your tithes and doing all these things. That doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to us. What gives the Christian the edge is I'm not in the battle alone I have him with me He's through everything that I go through He is by my side through the fire Through the water, through the depths He's always there So as we look at this tonight It doesn't matter if this was a thousand years ago When he endured this I want you to know that the same problems he faced We face today But in all of this God comes through In the end Now Joseph had family problems Joseph had family problems. Joseph was the youngest son before Benjamin. And he's given his destiny through a God-given dream. And he sets down and he shares it with his brothers, thinking that his brothers are going to be really impressed with what God has shared with him. And let me tell you something. If, if you want to find out something, share your dreams with somebody. And you'll see real quickly how close a, brethren, or close a friend that they are. Come on, somebody. And so he shares this, and it creates jealousy among his brothers and so what they do is they fake his death they tell his father that he died and he becomes one of the first human trafficking victims that we've ever seen he is he is he's one of the, the first human tra- he was trafficked he was sold into slavery by his family his enemy didn't do this his family did this to him his brothers his brothers did this to him. And so, let me tell you something. In my book, it don't get much worse than your family treating you bad. Come on, somebody. And so, here's a guy with a God-given dream and a God-given vision, and he's surrounded by a family that is, has the, the, the name of God, the call of God on their life, and he is absolutely betrayed by every one of them. Now, he gets on, he's sold into slavery, and then he has job problems. Because if we ain't got problems with our family, we got problems in the workplace. Come on, somebody. Listen. He lands a job as a worker in the home of a man named Potiphar, and he's given favor in his job. They love Joseph. He's doing good. He's climbing up the ladder. And, and so he gets, he, he, he's, he's, here's another person. He's one of the first sexually harassed persons we see in the Bible. Trying to make this Bible come alive to you and realize that even though it was thousands of years, it's not the first time this has been heard of. I'm trying to teach you tonight that God has been dealing with these things for years and years and years and years. And so Potiphar's wife, she gets an eye for him and she she begins to make advances toward him and and she pulls his robe off him and he runs. And what does she do? She lies on him. Why does she lie? Because she's afraid he's going to tell the truth. And she knows he's an honest person. And she knows he's going to tell the truth. So she lies. And guess what? Potiphar's wife is the first woman to go to work for the Senate Judicial Committee. Come on, somebody. It's not the first time that CNN has reported some of these things. God, the Holy Ghost has been writing this in the Bible for a long, long time. Listen. He goes through some bondages. He is thrown into prison for a crime he did not commit. He did not sexually harass her. He did not try to rape her. However, he is thrown into prison for something that he did not do. However, he is now in the place that God wants him to be. Let me help you a minute. Not every place that you have that God ordained do you get up in the morning and your wife gets up and floats to the breakfast table on glory clouds and gives you your toast and your eggs the way you like it and then your kids get up and walk on water all the way to school. It don't happen that way. Sometimes life gets ugly. So now the place for God is now a prison house. And sometimes that what we call bondage and what we call punishment is actually the place of God. Because God needs people in bad places sometimes to lead them out of. Listen, he's full of dreams, but he's paralyzed by the bondages around him. And I guarantee you tonight, there are people in this place that you have dreams, you have a future, but you're paralyzed sometimes by the surroundings that are around you. But can I tell you something? You very well may be in the very place God wants you to be tonight. So don't, don't, don't knock it because it's hard. Don't knock it because it's ugly. Listen, I told you last night God's not scared of ugly. Just like many we got full of dreams, but we're confined by, by bondages, by addictions, by our past. And he meets friends while he's in prison. And he's betrayed by his brothers already. And if that wasn't enough, the butler and the baker, they betray him as well. And so, so far, everyone that he's gotten close to in his life have betrayed him. His brothers have. His workplace has. He's gotten prison. He had favor in there. He finally makes some prison buddies, some jail buddies. I never will forget the first time I, I spent the night in jail. The next morning, uh, does everybody, anybody remember Andy Griffiths? Thank you. You remember Otis? Well, I'm from Searcy County, Arkansas, in Marshall, and we had an Otis. He, he, I'm not going to mention his name and, and, and he was from Cozy Home, Arkansas that's a suburb of Marshall and, and he knocked on my cell door they didn't even have the thing locked I thought they had it locked I could have got up and run around that place that night but I didn't he opens up the door and he brings me breakfast and he sits down to me and I thought he was going to encourage me and he, this is what he told me he said Shane this isn't a bad place to live I said what? He said this isn't a bad place to live. He said it's warm in the winter, it's cool in the summer. Get three meals a day. I said, look, dude, I'm getting out of here as soon as I can get somebody buying me out of here. I'm getting. I don't plan on coming back. (laughs) Tell you something, but listen, he's betrayed and he's lost his trust in all these things. Joseph never sinned. And he stays the course. I'm going somewhere with this. I need to build. I just got to build this thing for you. Okay. So here is Joseph. He's been betrayed. He's done all these things. He's he's never sinned. He stayed his course. But he's wounded. You never realize this about him. But he is wounded. Wounds can heal. But they leave scars. Listen to me tonight. Scars are an outward sign. That an inward healing has occurred. Scars are an outward sign That an inward healing You see this ear right here That's a scar That's a scar from minding my mother When she said don't you slide on that tin roof Because you'll hurt yourself I was a little kid We was pretending like we were motorcycles And ramping up that tin roof And going back down And what happened I about cut my ear completely off But I've got a scar here. It's still there. I'll never forget that day because I've got a scar. And so scars are my reminder. And there's oftentimes stories behind your scars of mistakes, of lessons learned. I can remember climbing on that old cellar with the tin roof. I I can remember on the bleachers. Matter of fact, in Greenbrier, Arkansas, as a child, my mother at an away football game said, Don't run on those bleachers. It's wet. You'll okay mom I ran on the bleachers anyways fell, busted my chin they had to take me back home and stitch it up I remember that day I can see it in my mind I can remember breaking my leg in football practice and uh, numerous other times I can remember biting my lip and my tongue off in a car wreck and, and they had to surgically sew it back on I've been there I remember that But scars are a witness. Some scars are invisible. We don't see them, but you're scarred on the inside. Nobody sees the outer effect of them, but you know they're in there. They're inward hurts. Somebody hurts you on the inside. They hurt your feelings. They hurt your manhood. They hurt your womanhood. They hurt your upbringing. And nobody sees them. But aren't you glad He was wounded for our transgressions? He was bruised for our iniquities. Those iniquities are those inward hurts bruises and inward bleeding so not only did Jesus die for our outward sins but all those inward hurts and inward scars he ransomed you and he redeemed you from those as well let me show you something about scars listen you sometimes get over the pain but you don't forget it see the sin can be forgotten in the past forgiven but sometimes even though God is forgotten and forgiven we still remember and we still suffer And this is Joseph. He's moved on, but he's still wounded. Scars of the past were never meant, though, to hinder our future. Listen to me. What I found out about scars is when that scar heals, that's the toughest skin on your body. You are tougher in that area of your life than you are anywhere else. Why? Because after you've been cut, after you've been hurt, the body has a miraculous way of healing itself. You ever realize that? We walk around all the time and here's what people say. We don't see healing like we used to did. I see it every day. Cut your finger and in four or five days it will heal itself thought about that God made you're made with healing a sinner can be healed a sinner can yeah, a sinner can cut his finger and a Christian can cut and both of those will heal why? because God created both the sinner and the saint come on somebody don't run around saying you had not seen anything I broke a bone the other day and, and, and they did surgery and it grew back together by itself come on somebody why? because God made you to heal Listen to me, scars are real, scars hurt, and they may be ugly, but to some they're beautiful. Let me tell you something, you look at the belly of a mama that had a C-section, and that is not an ugly scar to her, that's the most beautiful scar in her life. My wife gave birth to our first son as a a preemie, He, he weighed like four pounds when he was born, he's a big old boy now. But he was four pounds, and and, and they did it by C section, and she had a. But but I can tell you something. She knows that that scar right there. It doesn't seem anything ugly to her. That's the most beautiful scar that she's ever had in her life. Why? Because she held her firstborn on the day that she got that scar. Oh. Listen, let me help you. There's one letter difference in scars and stars, and it's a T. A cross. One letter difference than scars and stars. And God has an infinite ability to change our scars into stars. He can change what the devil meant for bad into good. He can rearrange everything that what you've been doubting and what you've been going through and what's been depressing you can be the biggest encouragement in your life. Joseph's now been placed in second command to Potiphar. He's moved up in spite of all the things that went wrong. Why? Because God has placed Joseph. And there is nothing hell can produce that can stop the purpose of God. If God has ordained it, then hell cannot deny it and cannot keep it down. My Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The Bible said when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard about it. I read an article on that the other day. They said in this article that I read that the King James Version got the comma in the wrong place. And it says that it should be rendered, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. Come on, somebody. What he's saying is, uh, I can tell you, the enemy may come in, and he may seem big, and he may seem large, but the Spirit of the Lord will always reign, and it is always bigger. Listen, so Joseph's now got power, he's got authority, and he's got favor. He is second in command to Pharaoh. He is sitting in the passenger seat to the big dogs. Come on, somebody. He's just like a, that old deputy's boy, or that sheriff's boy on "Smoking in the Bandit. <laughs> Looked over and called him Junior. You remember him? <laughs> but I can tell you, he's second in command. You know what? I'm sure he's sitting there thinking, who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought it? Got, got sexually trafficked? Come on, somebody. This Senate Judicial Committee raised up sexual harassment charges against me, and I was innocent. Now I'm sitting second in command. Hey! Let me tell you something. When God needs a man, he can find a man. When he couldn't find a king that would serve him, he just got Cyrus and said, he may be a pagan king and he may not be serving me, but I'll use him anyways, Because his purpose is stronger and more powerful than and God's purpose will be done on this earth. i got to move on. Listen, for all he went through, God brings him something so good. That made him forget all he went through to get there. Here's what I want to get to tonight. I believe that a lot of people in this world today have been through so much. But God is hes so good at bringing something so good that it makes everything that you went through seem more. Are you ready tonight? I don't want to preach long tonight because I just want to get you in the altar. Listen, the first thing that God gives Joseph is a wife. Your husbands better amen. It'd be a good time to do so. Listen, because he knows that the foundation for future blessings comes through intimacy. Listen to me. He knew that if Joseph was to give birth to anything that God wanted in his life, that it would come through his intimacy and through relationships. Ooh, come on, somebody. See, we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about relationship and we don't talk like to talk about intimacy. But can I tell you something? There is something so much better with God that's gonna make us realize that we have fell in love with the foretaste of God when God is saying, I've got something bigger and I've got something greater, just carry you here. Come on, somebody. Relationship produces blessings. Intimacy produces fruit. But look at this. He's given a wife and her name is Asenoth, which means peril and misfortune. Peril and misfortune. So here's a man, if it's not bad enough, he's been through all of this. He's been through hell and high water. He's got a life with the destiny with God on it. But he's been plagued by bad events and he's given the gift of peril and misfortune. What's your name, Peril of Misfortune? Geez, I've been waiting on you all my life, honey. Some of y'all thinking I went out with peril of Misfortune one night. You ever been to a class reunion and said, thank you, Jesus, for unanswered prayers? You ever been there? You remember how it was when you was young? He's said, God, just let her love me like I love her. And then 30 years later, you see. <laughs> oh, God, thank you. <laughs> Y'all still here? Here's a man plagued with dysfunction in a pagan land, working for a pagan king, and now he's given a pagan wife. But God. But God Listen to me I love this Let me just read you some scriptures And we know that all things work together Romans 8 20 For good Everybody say for for good For them that love God To them who are called according to his purpose See, the purpose supersedes even the misfortune and the perils of the paganism and all the ugly he's had to go through. He's even married peril and misfortune. And God still steps in and says, I don't care if she's ugly. I don't care if she's mean. I don't care what they've done to you. I don't care what. I'm going to switch everything around and work it out for the good. See, God's not intimidated tonight by your situation. God's not intimidated tonight by your location, and God is not intimidated tonight by your enemies. Yeah. Listen to me, Romans eight thirty seven. I think one of them quoted it tonight. In all things, everybody say all things. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. This is what Paul said, and I love it. He said, "I'm persuaded. I am persuaded." I am persuaded. I am pers- are you persuaded tonight? Because until you get persuaded that you serve a God that works all things for the good, you can never say, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, principalities, powers, things present or things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why I'm a firm believer Methamphetamine methamphetamines is spiritual. It's spiritual. You say it's not spiritual. Oh yeah, it's spiritual. There's a demon a mile long attached to it. Yeah. yeah, here's why. That's why you can look at your kids knowing that they're hungry and you spend your money on it. Hey, you know that preacher because I've been there and done that. There's a demon attached to that. There's a demon attached to that. He's a demon because you begin to not love the things you're supposed to love because God knows and the enemy knows that if you're going to have a future it's going to be loving those around you and if he can get you to not love and to turn your back on those that are with you that you're supposed to love how else? come on somebody I'm trying to tell you tonight but even in the midst of that even in the midst of demons 10 miles long your God, nothing can separate you from God getting there When God decides to save a man He is going to get to that man And give him a decision to make One way or another I don't care if they're in rehab I don't care if they're in Tucker I don't care if they're in Cummins I don't care if they're in Greenbrier, Arkansas High as a kite tonight God can get His power to them Nothing can separate Nothing Absolutely nothing. You know what nothing is? No thing, no thing, no thing. Come on. Number two. Number two. Next, he gives him his firstborn. I love this. He gives him his first. I've had the pressure of raising three kids. Three kids. Sometimes I, I promise you, I wanted to hold him under longer than I should have. And every daddy and mama in here can agree with that. But each of them has their own unique characteristics. Oh my Lord, do they ever! But I, as I was studying this, I thought, I wonder what my kids' names mean. So I looked them up. You know, they came at different times in our lives, and 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 they were all Kim. And and I, and I remember when they came, they were all at different stuff. Uh, you know. Things were going on in our lives that make me remember when they were born, but their names. Gavin is my firstborn. He means hawk of the battle or white hawk. No idea what that means, but that's what his name means. <laughs> Bryce, my middle boy, means swift or strength. Swift or strength. And if you know Bryce, there's nothing swift about it. Avery, my daughter, means rulers of the elves or rules with elf wisdom. Then come the grandkids. Berkeley came, and I forgive all of my kids automatically when I got my first grandkid. Amen. Ain't nothing sweeter in the world than a grandkid. I love her so much that I feel guilty about maybe I love her more than I do my kids <laughs> and then just this year we got Kinsley and she just sits and grins and purrs and goos and she'll just melt your heart and I'm like I, I, just keep bringing them in keep having more this is awesome cause they go home <laughs> they go home going somewhere. So when God blessed Joseph with a son, God knew exactly what Joseph the wounded, what Joseph the scarred, what Joseph the betrayed. Now he's got power and he's got authority, but what God realizes is now my man has stepped into his destiny, but I need to reward him in such a manner that what he has happened to him in his past does not abort his future. What's this? God knew that he's in the place of God, but he wanted his heart to be healed because he knew he was still hurting. Come on, somebody. When you're hurt, you'll hurt others. Hurt. Listen, I can tell you this. I've raised dogs all my life. and I'm telling you, you get a dog that has been your old buddy all your life, that dude gets hurt, and you touch him, he'll bite you. Why? Because hurt things hurt others. And what we don't, we not, we may not bite them or we may, but we bite back when we're hurt. And it does not matter. God always goes exceedingly and abundantly above. So not only did God need his man to be here, but he wants his man to enjoy the season that he's ruling in. Come here. This is gonna make sense. See, you see, it can be the will of God and the blessings of God and you can still hurt on the inside. That's why I'm talking about a deeper work tonight. Because sometimes goosebumps and the hair on the back of my neck don't last till I get out the door. So i got to have something when I go to bed tonight and when I wake up in the morning I'm still enjoying serving God. God goes inside. The Bible says in Psalm, Deep calleth into deep at the noise of thy water spouts. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians, I have not seen or heard neither at the the heart of man the things that God had prepared to those that love him. But God reveals them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches the deep things of God. In other words, God wants to go deep down in your spirit tonight and heal and bring you up so you can enjoy your life. with you right now can be in the very dead center of the will of God, and you can still be bitter over your past. So God gives him a Manasseh. Now, Manasseh means God made me forget. So all he's went through, he gets a Manasseh, and God makes him forget. The hurt of his father's house, he forgets. The hurt of his job, the sexual harassment, the Senate Judicial Committee climbing up against him. He forgets all his hurt. Manasseh was such a good blessing. He held up this this baby and he names him. What he's actually saying is, God, you have blessed me so much. It is so incredible. It is so huge that I can't even remember all the things I went through to get here. Only God can do that. See, you can't find that in a relationship with a person. You can't find that in a bottle, and you can't find that in a drug. We find that only through God. Yes. Only God can give you a manass. Yes. Only God. Yes. See, listen. See, you can be no good to the purpose of God if you're still bitter over the path you took to get there. And let me tell you something. A lot of people tonight, hear me tonight. A lot of people love God, but they're bitter over the path that it took to get there. Come on, somebody. Manasseh was in, listen to me, you've got to get this. Manasseh was in the bride of Joseph, a type of Christ, all along, but could only be produced through intimacy of the relationship of the bride and the bridegroom. Now watch this. We are the bride, the church. Jesus is the bridegroom. In other words, there are some things in us, the bride, that can only be produced by intimacy with Jesus, the bridegroom. It's in us, but we can't produce it. It was in there, but we cannot produce it without a deep-rooted relationship of intimacy. You ain't getting this. Let me let me explain it like this. I've been married 24 years, be 25 this November. I know what it's like to, to make my wife happy, and I know what it's like when she's not. <laughs> Women are different than men. Guys, hear me. Women are different than men. Okay? It's a whole different, way different thing. And so we communicate different. Men, you're not that complicated. (laughs) Let's just keep this real G rated. It don't take a lot, but a woman is more about relationship, communication, talking. My wife tells me when we're not talking enough. You know why? Because she wants to talk, because that makes her closer to her husband. I'm the bridegroom, she's the bride. Come on, somebody. So, if we want intimacy in the marriage relationship, because Paul talked about that in Ephesians. It's like Christ and the church. Come on, somebody. If we want to produce things and we want to have have intimacy in any relationship, then we've got to do those things. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me? Are you with me? Because without intimacy and communication, there is no relationship. Let me do to- it to you this way: Your wife comes in from work and she starts telling you what all has went on today at her work, and you get up and you walk outside and go to your shop building and start working on the lawnmower. And you come in and you look at her and say, "Where's supper?" Yeah, doghouse, that's why. Why? Because you did not communicate well. What you communicated with is, I don't have time to hear what's going on in your life. I'm only concerned with feeding my belly and working on my lawnmower. How do you think God, Jesus, feels when we don't communicate and talk to Him as a bride and don't spend time asking Him how His day is or how, how He wants us to act or what He wants us to do? We want fruit, we want blessings, but we don't want relationship. Amen. And relationships work. It's work. Oh, come on somebody, I lost y'all then. See, some of you got a Manasseh inside you, but there's no intimacy to birth. it. And so Manasseh's sitting there waiting to be born. Gonna make you forget all you went through, but you won't spend the time with the bridegroom to ever give birth See, you cannot birth the things of God. Listen to me. You cannot birth the things of God while you're still in the bed with bitterness. Bitterness is an evil devil. Listen, Hebrews twelve fourteen said, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man shall fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. Not only will it trouble me, not only will it defile me, but it will spread to everybody around me. And you cannot produce blessing while you are in the bed with bitterness. It's a root. The Bible calls it the root of bitterness. It gets ugly sometimes. Ain't nothing uglier than bitter. Scientists have proved that bitterness can cause bad health. Now watch this. I'm fixing to crank it up, all right? Are y'all ready to forget tonight? You need to ask God to give you a manasseh tonight. You need to get the bitterness. Then thirdly, he gives him a second son. I'm going to give you a powerful key tonight that will help you. Euphraim means fruitful. It means fruitful. Joseph saw, I've got my manasseh. But he said, oh my goodness. There's more than one in there. In other words, it was so big that in type, God couldn't give it in one. (laughs) It was... Blessing is so big that in type, God couldn't give it in one man. He had to use two to get it. Watch this. Listen. He said, God's made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Manasseh and Ephraim are blood brothers. A lot of people believe they were twins. I do. Listen. But what I want you to see is God gives him something powerful. So powerful. That it comes through too. And some of you have a manasseh. But you never move on to your friend. Listen. You end up crippling the younger. Because you never give birth to the second. That's why you're cycling. Because God's saying. I made you forget your past. But you never stepped into your future. Watch this. The younger and the older were connected by God. Joseph couldn't see the fruitfulness of God without first forgetting the past that's behind him. Because he was constantly reminded of his wounds and his scars. But now he forgets his past with Manasseh. But Joseph couldn't hold the fruitfulness of God without first holding the grace of God to move on. Watch this. It was Ephraim that caused him not to look back anymore. The second son. So his future was tied in his ability. Listen to me. And your future is tied in your ability to forget what is behind you and to move forward to what is before you. Paul said it like this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark. Some of you would never give birth to the second son tonight, but tonight you will. This is why you're fight, constantly fighting. You can't outrun what you've been through because you keep running backwards. God wants to give you Manasseh, but He says I got a Ephraim, and they're blood brothers, and they're a package deal. And you can't enjoy your Manasseh without giving birth to Ephraim. So Jacob, his daddy, when he blesses these boys, does something very unique and prophetic. I don't have time to read it, but you can go to Genesis 48, verses 10 through 20. When he blesses them. Now, Manasseh is the firstborn. By, by rights, he is heir to the, everything that the father has. And the Bible said that Jacob's getting a little old in his side. And, and so, Ephraim's over here. Manasseh's over here. And the right hand should go on Manasseh like this. But he's, here's what he does. He crosses his hands and touches Euphraim. He makes a cross. It's very symbolic, but it's very prophetic of what would be to come. Watch this. The cross gave the blessings of the firstborn to the second. Watch this. If if we only had the blessings of the firstborn, the firstborn was Adam, the first man. But the second man Adam was Jesus. And I got I don't want the curse, I, I want the blessings of the second man Adam. What's this. Romans 8.20 For he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Colossians 1.15 Who is the image of the invisible, the firstborn of every creature. Colossians 1.18 He's the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Listen, Jesus was God's second man. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, how be it? That was not the first that was spiritual, but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. The cross gives the blessing. Come on, somebody. Woo! All the hell you've been through. All the hurt you've endured, all the betrayal, all the affliction is about to die in eternal death. Watch this. Romans put it like this in chapter 6. To be buried with him with the baptism of his death. And to be raised with him in the likeness of his resurrection. When I got my Manasseh, I got, that was the, the, my past getting swallowed up. But God didn't stop there. He brought us up out of the water. And when you come out of the water, you were raised in the likeness of His resurrection and gave you a future and a good future at that. Well, oh, I'm about ready to jump out of here. So, as I was getting ready this afternoon, I, I, was, I was praying, I said, God, what's the missing ingredient? And this is what He showed me tonight. Because I, I just love this. Worship, 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 worship. Listen, Hannah wanted a baby so bad. She wanted to give birth to a baby. The Bible said her womb was barren. And in First Samuel chapter 1, the Bible says this is after, this is after he's looked on her. This is after she's got the promise. Look at what happens in verse 19. They arose early in the morning and they worshiped before the and returned to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew his wife and the Lord remember her so it came to pass the process of time had a conceived and bore a son what's worship do it brings life to the womb the Bible said draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you see there's no life without God giving life there's no conception without God birthing it and you cannot birth anything until God gives life. To you. Listen, I'm telling you God' is going to do a deep work. Worship then becomes the breeding ground for supernatural things to happen in your life. Or oh, God is going to do a deep work? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Hannah hears the priest she goes to worship. And our faith, when our faith becomes intimate with the words of the high priest, does the womb give life to the promises of God? Listen to me. Listen to me. That ain't. Worship creates the necessary environment for the birthing of the miraculous. I don't want something... That I can get out of some book at the Christian bookstore. Right now what this world needs is something a supernatural God and only Him can do. Let me tell you something tonight in closing. When I got saved on a Sunday night at Marshall Assembly God Church. I was a full blown meth amphetamines addict with meth in my blood system. I fought addiction all through Sunday morning service. And yes I came back to Sunday night. This is what I said to God. I said, God, I need you to save me. And I'll get saved and I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I cannot, I cannot say no to that stuff. I've never been able to. You'll have to help me. In that night, in that altar service, God did a supernatural work in me. I was known as the go-to guy. If you had drugs for sale, call Shane. I wanted them for a year and a half I never got a phone call I never bumped into them in a town of 3,000 people I never ran into them I never met them on the highway I never did have just certain circumstances happen why? because God can only do that that's what God does a deep work Deep work. Deep work.